Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse have a link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson of the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 25, The Remedy, with Section 9, The Principle of Salvation. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 273. The stillness of the peace of God is mine. And by way of opening this morning, I was so happy to receive this little um, meditation, mini meditation from Marianne Williamson. And it goes like this. Holiness is my refuge today. I gain power in a world that is moving too fast by learning to slow down. The life I desire will not emerge from chaos, but from the holiness within me. Then and only then will I experience the world that reflects my soul. I seek the quiet of God's presence today, regardless what worldly turmoil surrounds me within the stillness of my inner self and even as I move through my day I will seek and remain within the holy place dear God may your cloak of holiness surround me today and warm me from within may the warmth of your presence deliver me from the coldness of the world <laughs> amen That was perfect. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Amen. That was great. Thank you. Lord. It was a gift. It was a gift to me. So, thank you guys. <clears throat> Sorry you for the dogs rushing out that morning. door. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. Thank you. Okay, here's our reading list, my friends. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Robin Marie, Donna. Judy and Jessica <clears throat> were joined in listening this morning by Ida, Harrison, and Roz. And right after Jessica, I forgot to say Micah. So has anyone else joined us uh, that would like to be on the reading list? I don't see any other people. So, <clears throat> so we'll take it up where we left off yesterday in Chapter 25, The Remedy. Beginning today with section 9, the principle of salvation, in paragraph 63. The Holy Spirit can use all that you give to him for your salvation, but he cannot use what you withhold, for he cannot take it from you without your willingness. For if he did, you would believe he wrested it from you against your will, and so you would not learn it is your will 
to be without it. You need not give it to him wholly willingly, for if you could, you'd have no need of him. But this he needs, that you prefer he take it than you keep it for yourself alone, and recognize that what brings loss to no one, you would not know. And I'm going to read that again. But this he needs, that you prefer he take it then you keep it for yourself alone and recognize that what brings loss to no one, you would not know. This much is necessary to add to the idea no one can lose for you to gain and nothing more. Uh, Lemoyne. Okay. Chapter 25, The Remedy, Section 9. The Principle of Salvation. The Holy Spirit can use all that you give to Him for your salvation, but He cannot use what you withhold, for He cannot take it from you without your willingness. For if He did, you would believe He wrested it from you against your will. And so you would not learn it is your will to be without it. You need not give it to him wholly willingly, for if you could, you'd have no need of him. But this he needs, that you prefer he take it, and you keep it for yourself alone. And recognize what brings loss to no one you would not know. This much is necessary to add to the idea no one can lose for you to gain and nothing more. <clears throat> Here is the only principle salvation needs, nor is it necessary that your face in it be strong, unswerving, and without attack from all beliefs opposed to it. You have no fixed allegiance, but remember salvation is not needed by the saved. You are not called upon to do what one divided still against himself would find impossible. Have a little faith that wisdom could be found in such a state of mind. But be you thankful that only little faith is asked of you what but a little faith remains to those who believe in sin. Could they know of heaven and the justice of the saved? Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 64. Here is the only principle salvation needs. Nor is it necessary that your faith in it be strong, unswerving, and without attack from all beliefs opposed to it. You have no fixed allegiance. But remember, salvation is not needed by the saved. You are not called upon to do what one divided still against himself would find impossible. Have little faith that wisdom could be found in such a state of mind. But be you thankful that only little faith is asked of you. What but a little faith remains to those who still believe in sin? What could they know of heaven and the justice of the saved? 65. There is a kind of justice and salvation of which the world knows nothing. To the world, Justice and vengeance are the same. 
For sinners see justice only as their punishment, perhaps sustained by someone else but not escaped. The laws of sin demand a victim. Who it may be makes little difference, but death must be the cost and must be paid. This is not justice but insanity. Yet how could justice be defined without insanity where love means hate and death is seen as victory and triumph over eternity and timelessness and life? Thank you, Fran. And Robin Bree. There is a kind of justice in salvation of which the world knows nothing. To the world, justice and vengeance are the same. For sinners see justice only as their punishment, perhaps sustained by someone else, but not escaped. The laws of sin demand a victim. Who it may be makes little difference. Who it may be makes little difference. But death must be the cost and must be paid. This is not justice, but insanity. Yet how could justice be defined without insanity, where love means hate, and death is seen as victory and triumph over eternity and timelessness and life? 66. You who know not of justice still can ask and learn the answer. Justice looks on all in the same way. It is not just that one should lack for what another has, for that is vengeance in whatever form it takes. Justice demands no sacrifice, for any sacrifice is made that sin may be preserved and kept. It is a payment offered for the cost of sin, but not the total cost. The rest is taken from the, from another to be laid to be laid beside your little payment to, quote, atone, unquote, for all that you would keep and not give up. So is the victim seen as partly you, with someone else by far the greater part. And in the total cost, the greater his, the less is yours. And justice, being blind, is satisfied by being paid. It matters not by whom. Can this be justice? God knows not of this, but justice does he know and knows it well, for he is wholly fair to everyone. Thank you, Robin Marie and Donna. Sixty-six. You who know not of justice still ask and learn the answer. You who know not of justice still can ask and learn the answer. Justice looks on all in the same way. It is not just that one should lack for what another has. For that is vengeance in whatever form it takes. Justice demands no sacrifice, for any sacrifice is made that sin may be preserved and kept. It is a payment offered for the cost of sin, but not the total cost. 
The rest is taken from another to be laid beside your little payment to atone, in quotes, for all that you would keep and not give up. So is the victim seen as partly you with someone else by far the greater part? So is the victim seen as partly you with someone else by far the greater part? And in the total cost, the greater his, the less is yours. And justice being blind is satisfied by being paid. It matters not by whom. Can this be justice? God knows not of this. But justice does. He know and knows it well. For he is wholly fair to everyone. 67. Vengeance is alien to God's mind because he knows of justice. To be just is to be fair and not be vengeful. Fairness and vengeance are impossible for each one contradicts the other and denies that it is real. It is impossible for you to share the Holy Spirit's justice with a mind that can conceive of specialness at all. Yet, how could he be just if he condemns a sinner for the crimes he did not do but thinks he did? And where would justice be if he demanded of the ones obsessed with the idea of punishment that they lay it aside unaided and perceive it is not true? It is extremely hard for those who still believe sin meaningful to understand the Holy Spirit's justice. Thank you, Donna. And Judy. Vengeance is alien to God's mind because he knows of justice. To be just is to be fair and not be vengeful. Fairness and vengeance are impossible for each one contradicts the other and denies that it is real. It is impossible for you to share the Holy Spirit's justice with a mind that can conceive of specialness at all. Yet, how could he be just if he condemns a sinner for the crimes he did not do but thinks he did? And where would justice be if he demanded of the ones obsessed with the idea of punishment that they lay it aside unaided and perceive it is not true? It is extremely hard for those who still believe sin meaningful to understand the Holy Spirit's justice. They must believe he shares their own confusion and cannot avoid the vengeance that their own belief in justice must entail. And so they fear the Holy Spirit and perceive the, quote, wrath, unquote, of God in him. Nor can they trust him 
not to strike them dead with lightning bolts torn from the fires of heaven by God's own angry hand. They do believe that heaven is hell and are afraid of love. And deep suspicion and the chill of fear comes over them when they are told that they have never sinned. Their world depends on sin stability, and they perceive the threat of what God knows as justice to be more destructive to themselves and to their world than vengeance, which they understand and love. Crazy, crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. Thank you. <clears throat> 68. They must believe he shares their own confusion and cannot avoid the vengeance that their own belief in justice must entail. And so they fear the Holy Spirit and perceive the, quote, wrath of God in him. Nor can they trust him not to strike them dead with lightning bolts torn from the so-called fires of heaven by God's own angry hand. They do believe that heaven is hell and are afraid of love. And deep suspicion and the chill of fear comes over them when they are told that they have never sinned. Their world depends on sin's stability, and they believe the, quote, threat of what God knows as justice to be more destructive to themselves and to their world than vengeance, which they understand and love. 69. Who do they think the loss of sin a curse? and flee the Holy Spirit as if he were a messenger from hell, sent from above in treachery and guile to work God's vengeance on them in the guise of a deliverer and friend. What could he be to them except a devil dressed to deceive within an angel's cloak? And what escape has he for them except a door to hell that seems to look like heaven's gate. Thank you, Jessica. And Micah. Okay, um, 69. So do they think the loss of sin a curse and flee the blessing of the Holy Spirit as if he were a messenger from hell sent from above in treachery and guile to work God's vengeance on them in the guise of a deliverer and friend. What could he be to them except a devil dressed to deceive within an angel's cloak? And what escape has he for them except a door to hell that seems to look like heaven's gate? 70. Yet justice cannot punish those who ask for punishment, but have a judge who knows that they are wholly innocent in truth. In justice, he is bound to set them free and give them all the honor they deserve and have denied themselves because they are not fair and cannot understand that they are innocent. 
Love is not understandable to sinners because they think that justice is split off from love and stands for something else. Thank you, Micah. And do we have a new reader for 70 and 71? New reader for 70 and 71? Okay, Lemoyne, back to you. Okay. Yet justice cannot punish those who ask for punishment, but have a judge who knows that they are all they are wholly innocent and true. In justice, he is bound to set them free and give them all the honor they deserve and have denied themselves because they are not fair and cannot understand that they are innocent. Love is not understandable to sinners because they think that justice is split off from love and stands for something else. And thus is love perceived as weak and vengeance strong. For love has lost when judgment left its side and is too weak to save from punishment. But vengeance without love has gained in strength by being separate and apart from love. And what but vengeance now can help and save while love stands feebly by with helpless hands, bereft of justice, and vitality and powerless to save. What can love ask of you who think that all of this is true? Could he, in justice and in love, believe in your confusion? You have much to give? I'll read that again. Could he, in justice and in love, Believe in your confusion you have much to give. You are not asked to trust him far, no further than what you see he offers you and what you recognize you could not give yourself. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 71. And must this love perceived as weak and vengeance strong? For love has lost when judgment left its side and is too weak to save from punishment. But vengeance without love has gained in strength by being separate and apart from love. And what but vengeance now can help and save while love stands feebly by with helpless hands bereft of judgment, of justice, and vitality, and powerless to save. What can love ask of you who think that all of this is true? Could he, in justice and in love, believe in your confusion you have much to give? You are not asked to trust him far. No farther than what you see he offers you and what you recognize you could not give yourself. 72. In God's own justice does he recognize all you deserve, but understands as well that you cannot accept it for yourself. It is his special function 
to hold out to you the gifts the innocent deserve. And everyone that you accept brings joy to him as well as you. He knows that heaven is richer made by each one you accept. And God rejoices as his son receives what loving justice knows to be his due. For love and justice are not different. Because they are the same, does mercy stand at God's right hand and give the Son of God the power to forgive himself of sin. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. In God's own justice, does he recognize all you deserve but understands as well that you cannot accept it for yourself. It is his special function to hold out to you the gifts the innocent deserve, and everyone that you accept brings joy to him as well as you. He knows that heaven is richer made by each one you accept, and God rejoices as his son receives what loving justice knows to be his due. For love and justice are not different. Because they are the same, does mercy stand at God's right hand and give the Son of God the power to forgive himself of sin. 73. To him who merits everything, how can it be that anything be kept from him? For that would be injustice and unfair indeed to all the holiness that is in him however much he recognize it not. God knows of no injustice. He would not allow his son be judged by those who seek his death and could not see his worth at all. What honest witnesses could they call forth to speak on his behalf? And who would come to plead for him and not against his life? No justice would be given him by you. Yet God ensured that justice would be done unto the son he loves and would protect from all unfairness you might seek to offer, believing vengeance is his proper due. Thank you, Robin Marie and Donna. Seventy-three. To him who merits <clears throat> to him who merits everything, how can it be that anything be kept from him? For what would be injustice and unfair indeed to all the holiness that is in him, however much he recognizes it not? God knows of no injustice. He would not allow his son be judged by those who seek his death and could not see his worth at all. What honest witness could they call forth to speak on his behalf? And who would come to plead for him and not against his life? No justice be given him by you. No justice would be given him by you. Yet God ensured that justice would be done unto the son he loves and would protect from all unfairness you might seek to offer, believing vengeance is his proper due. 
74. As specialness cares not who pays the cost of sin, so it be paid, the Holy Spirit heeds not who looks heeds not who looks on innocence at last, provided it is seen and recognized. For just one witness is enough if he sees truly. Simple justice asks no more. Of each one does the Holy Spirit ask if he will be that one, so justice may return to love and there be satisfied. Each special function he allots is but for this, that each one learn that love and justice are not separate, and both are strengthened by their union with each other. Without love is justice prejudiced and weak, and love without justice is impossible. For love is fair and cannot chasten without cause. What cause can be so warrant an attack upon the innocent? Injustice then does love correct mistakes, but not in vengeance, for that would be unjust to innocence. Thank you, Donna and Judy. Thank you, Lori. As specialness cares not who pays the cost of sin, so it be paid. The Holy Spirit heeds not who looks on innocent at last, provided it is seen and recognized. For just one witness is enough if he sees truly. Simple justice asks no more. Of each one does the Holy Spirit ask if he will be that one, so justice may return to love and there be satisfied. Each special function he allots, he allots, is but for this, that each one learn that love and justice are not separate, and both are strengthened by their union with each other. Without love is justice, prejudiced, and weak. And love without justice is impossible. For love is fair and cannot chasten without cause. What cause can be to warrant an attack upon the innocent? Injustice, then, does love correct mistakes, but not in vengeance for there would be unjust to innocence. You can be perfect witness to the power of love and justice if you understand it is impossible the Son of God could merit vengeance. You need not perceive in every circumstance that this is true, nor need you look to your experience within the world which is which is which is but shadows <laughs> of all that is really happening within yourself. The understanding 
which you need comes not of you, but from a larger self, so great and holy that he could not doubt his innocence. Your special function is a call to him that he may smile on you whose sinlessness he shares. His understanding will be yours, and so the Holy Spirit's special function has been fulfilled. God's Son is found a witness unto his sinlessness, and not his sin. How little need you give the Holy Spirit that simple justice may be given you. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. 75. You can be perfect witness to the power of love and justice if you understand it is impossible the Son of God could merit vengeance. You need not perceive in every circumstance that this is true, nor need you look to your experience within the world, which is but shadows of all that is really happening within yourself. The understanding which you need comes not of you, but from a greater self, so great and holy that he could not doubt his innocence. Your special function is a call to him that he may smile on you whose sinlessness he shares. His understanding will be yours. And so the Holy Spirit's special function has been fulfilled. God's Son has found a witness unto his sinlessness and not his sin. How little need you give the Holy Spirit that simple justice may be given you. 76. Without impartiality, there is no justice. How can specialness be just? <clears throat> One second. Okay. How can specialness be just? Judge not because you cannot, not because you are a miserable sinner too. How can the special really understand that justice is the same for everyone? To take from one to give another must be an injustice to them both, since they are equal in the Holy Spirit's sight. Their father gave the same inheritance to both. Who would have more or less is not aware that he has everything. He is no judge of what must be another's due because he thinks he is deprived. And so must he be envious and try to take away from whom he judges. He is not impartial and cannot fairly see another's rights because his own have been obscured to him. Thank you, Jessica. And Micah. Okay, uh, 76. Without 
impartiality, there is no justice. How, uh, how can specialness be just? Judge not because you cannot. Not because you are a miserable sinner too. How can the special really understand that justice is the same for everyone? To take from one to give another must be an injustice to them both since they are equal in the Holy Spirit's sight. Their father gave the same inheritance to both. Who would have more or less is not aware that he has everything. He is no judge of what must be another's due because he thinks he is deprived. And so must he be envious and try to take away from whom he judges. He is not impartial and cannot fairly see another's rights because his own have been obscured to him. 77. You have the right to all the universe, to perfect peace, complete deliverance from all effects of sin and to the life eternal, joyous and complete in every way as God appointed for his holy Son. This is the only justice heaven knows and all the Holy Spirit brings to earth. Your special function shows you nothing else, but perfect justice can prevail for you and you are safe from vengeance in all forms. The world deceives, but it cannot replace God's justice with a vision of its own, for only love is just and can perceive what justice must accord the Son of God. Let love decide and never fear that you in your unfairness will deprive yourself of what God's justice has allotted you. Thank you, Micah. And would there be a new re- new reader who'd like to complete with paragraph 77? Yes, Lori, this is Yvonne. I can read. Oh, thanks, Yvonne. Okay, 77. You have the right to all the universe, to perfect peace, perfect deliverance, from all effects of sin, and to the life eternal, joyous and complete in every way, as God appointed for his holy Son. This is the only justice heaven knows, and all the Holy Spirit brings to earth. Your special function shows you nothing else but perfect justice can prevail for you. And you are safe from vengeance in all forms. The world deceives, but it cannot replace God's justice with a version of its own. For only love is just and can perceive what justice must accord the Son of God. Let love decide and never fear that you, in your unfairness, will deprive yourself of what God's justice has allotted you. Thank you. I'm glad I got a chance to read that. Thanks so much. Thank you, Yvonne. Good to hear you. And with that, we are precisely at the top of the hour. 
So perhaps um, as an aid to allow this to settle on the mind, um, it would be a good time to ask Fran to lead us in our reflection to stop the hour on our lesson today. So with our gratitude, Fran, um, turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, <clears throat> and the theme that we're on now is what is the Christ? And today's lesson is Lesson 273. The stillness of the peace of God is mine. So I'll read some from What is the Christ? Christ is God's Son as he created him. He is the self we share, uniting us with one another and with God as well. <coughs> Excuse me. He is the thought which still abides within the mind that is his source. He abides unchanged forever in the mind of God. Christ is the link that keeps you one with God and guarantees that separation is no more than an illusion of despair. For though in him his father placed the means for your salvation, yet does he remain the self who, like his father, knows no sin. Home of the Holy Spirit, and at home in God alone, does Christ remain at peace within the heaven of your holy mind. This is the only part of you that has reality and truth. The rest is dreams. The Holy Spirit reaches from the Christ in you through all your dreams and bids them come to him to be translated into truth. For when forgiveness rests upon the world, and peace has come to every son of God, what could remain to keep things separate for what remains to see except Christ's face? So therefore, let us seek to find Christ's face and look on nothing else. We'll go to the lesson now. <clears throat> Lesson 273, the stillness of the peace of God is mine. Perhaps we are now ready for a day of undisturbed tranquility. If this is not feasible, we are content and even more than satisfied to learn how such a day can be achieved. If we give way to a disturbance, let us learn how to dismiss it and return to peace. We need but tell our minds with certainty the stillness of the peace of God is mine. And nothing can intrude upon the peace that God himself has given to his son. Father, your peace is mine. What need have I to fear that anything can rob me of what you would have me keep? I cannot lose your gifts to me. And so the peace you gave your son is with me still in quietness, and in my own eternal love for you. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 273, the stillness of the peace of God is mine.
Father, your peace is mine. What need have I to fear that anything can rob me of what you would have me keep? I cannot lose your gifts to me. Lesson 273, the stillness of the peace of God is mine. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Amen. Thank you, friend. Such a gift. Thank you. Thanks, oh, thank you. Thank you, friend. I could, um, I could really feel your peace, friend. And I wondered if there's anything more you want to share about this lesson as it means to you. Well, what came to me in the lesson, what stood out to me was the stillness. And I um, think, I, you know, it's funny because sometimes in the lessons I look up words I already know the meaning of and just see what they say. And, of course, the stillness says not to do anything and not to move or anything. And I think that's pretty much... Um, what has happened to me with the Course as the peace of God is mine and it has given me a stillness when uh, before the Course I would have erupted <laughs> at certain times but now I let go and let God. Uh, what someone said on the workbook call is the expression be still and know that I am God. Oh, I thought that's great. Anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Oh, thank you, Fran. This powerful testimony. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Fran. I feel the same. Hi, this is Robin Marie. And I thought it was interesting in our reading today, um, I put a little dot next to the sentence, you need not give it to him. So, in other words, uh, anything, let's see, but he that you would withhold something that you think is a sin or I guess that your ego is holding on to. Anyway, it says you need not give it to him wholly willingly, for if you could, you'd have no need of him. But this he needs that you prefer he take it than that you keep it for yourself alone and recognize that what brings loss to no one you would not know. So this is interesting to me that the uh, lesson teaches us how, uh, that, you know, we, all we have to do is just give him a little bit. And, and, and if we give way to a disturbance, let us learn how to dismiss it and return to peace. Really uh, showing that it's all up to the Lord. It's all up to God. Because we really don't know how to dig those things out of our subconscious. We don't know how to do it. And it's just another uh, emphasis on letting go and letting God do it. I appreciated how the lesson went along with our reading. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie. That was a real highlight yeah. for me, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie.
Vishadana, uh, be still and know that I am God, came to me also from, uh, from this lesson. And that's uh, Psalms 46.10. And I think the whole thing fits our lesson today. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. I am complete. Thank you for that, Donna. Thank you. Lori, are you going to do a recap? You know, um, I'm kind of glad you asked me that, Harrison. Um, Because, yeah, there are some things I'd really love to highlight in here. And Rob Marie already did one starting in that 63rd paragraph. Um, To begin, I wanted to say, Section 9 title says, The Principle of Salvation. (laughs) I noticed that today. It doesn't say principles, just one. The Holy Spirit can use all that you give to him for your salvation but he cannot use what you withhold, for he cannot take it from you without your willingness. For if he did, you would believe he wrested it from you against your will. And so you would not learn it is your will to be without it. This he needs, that you prefer he take it than you keep it for yourself alone and recognize that what brings loss to no one, you would not know. This much is necessary to add to the idea no one can lose for you to gain, and nothing more. Here is the only principle salvation needs. You're not called upon to do what one divided still against himself would find impossible. Have little faith that wisdom could be found in such a state of mind, but be you thankful that only little faith is asked of you. In 65, there is a kind of justice in salvation of which the world knows nothing. To the world, justice and vengeance are the same. In 66, you who know not of justice still can ask and learn the answer. Justice looks on all the same way. It is not just that One should lack for what another has, for vengeance in whatever form it takes. This is vengeance in whatever form it takes. Justice demands no sacrifice. For any sacrifice is made that sin may be preserved and kept. It is a payment offered for the cost of sin. God knows not of this. But justice does he know and knows it well, for he is wholly fair to everyone. In 67, vengeance is alien to God's mind because he knows of justice. To be just is to be fair and not be vengeful. Fairness and vengeance are impossible, for each one contradicts the other and denies that it is real. It is impossible for you to share the Holy Spirit's justice with a mind that can conceive of specialness at all. They must believe that Holy Spirit shares their confusion 
and cannot avoid the vengeance that their own belief in justice must entail. And thus their world depends on sin stability. And they perceive the so-called threat of what God knows as justice to be more destructive to themselves and to their world than vengeance, which they understand and love. In 70, <clears throat> yet justice cannot punish those who ask for punishment but have a capital judge, capital who, knows they are wholly innocent in truth. In justice, he is bound to set them free and give them all the honor they deserve and have denied themselves because they are not fair and cannot understand that they are innocent. Love is not understandable to so-called sinners because they think that justice is split off from love and stands for something else. In 71, thus is love perceived as weak and vengeance strong. Could the Holy Spirit, in justice and in love, believe in your, in your confusion you have much to give? You are not asked to trust him far. No further than what you see he offers you and what you recognize you could not give yourself. In 72, in God's own justice, does he recognize all that you deserve, but understands as well that you cannot accept it for yourself? It is his special function to hold out to you the gifts the innocent deserve, and everyone you accept brings joy to him as well as you. He knows that heaven is richer made by each one you accept, and God rejoices as his son receives what loving justice knows to be his due. For love and justice are not different. Because they are the same, does mercy stand at God's right hand and give the Son of God the power to forgive himself of sin. 73. God knows of no injustice and ensured that justice would be done unto the Son he loves and would protect from all unfairness you might seek to offer believing vengeance is his proper due. I'm still in paragraph 74. Simple justice asks no more that you be willing to look on innocence at last. Of each one does the Holy Spirit ask if he will be that one. So justice may return to love and there be satisfied. Each special function he allots is but for this, that each one learn that love and justice are not separate and both are strengthened by their union with each other. Without love is justice prejudiced and weak and love without justice is impossible for love is fair and cannot chasten without cause. Injustice then does love correct mistakes. In 75, you can be perfect witness to the power of love and justice if you understand that it is impossible the Son of God could merit vengeance. You need not perceive in every circumstance that, that this is true, nor need you look to your experience within the world, which is but shadows of all that is really happening within yourself. The understanding which you need comes not of you, but from a larger capital self so great and holy that he could not doubt his innocence. Your special function 
is a call to him that he may smile on you whose sinlessness he shares. His understanding will be yours. And so the Holy Spirit's special function has been fulfilled. God's Son has found a witness unto his sinlessness and not his sin. How little need you give the Holy Spirit that simple justice may be given you. In 76, without impartiality, there is no justice. How can specialness be judge? Judge not, because you cannot. Who would have more or less is not aware that he has everything. He is no judge of what must be another's doom. And finally, in 77, you have the right to all the universe, to perfect peace, complete deliverance from all effects of sin, and to the life eternal, joyous, complete in every way, as God appointed for his Holy Son. This is the only justice heaven knows, and all the Holy Spirit brings to earth. Your special function shows you nothing else but perfect justice can pre- prevail for you. And you are safe from vengeance in all forms. The world deceives, but it cannot replace God's justice with a version of its own. For only love is just and can perceive what justice must accord the Son of God. Let love decide. Let love decide. And never fear that you and your unfairness will deprive yourself of what God's justice has allotted to you. Amen. One principle. Give give the Holy Spirit what you do not want. Yeah, thanks, Harrison. I was really glad you asked. Thank you. I was glad he asked, too. (laughs) Thanks. Hi, this is Robin Marie again. Thank you for that. I just was thinking, um, I was thinking about the stillness of the peace of God, and I was thinking about um, (laughs) tennis players or, you know, anyone who is doing a sport speaks of that spot that's the zen spot it's being in the zone and so i was thinking of being in the stillness of god as being in the zone where the holy spirit is really um foremost in uh, uh, orchestrating and that you are able to see that we are able to see that that's happening and even though Uh, you know, going back to the tennis, often, you know, the serve goes in the net or out of the court. Um, Those are mistakes. You know, we can still keep practicing. And when we do get in that zone, it just feels so miraculous and wonderful. Thank you. Boy, that really resonated. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. I, I especially love the tennis reference. Um, and <laughs> that came to me myself just a few years ago that 
love always corrects and it's so much easier to play light ball than guilt ball um, the ball always comes back I always get another chance to see it differently and, yeah. <laughs> um, and when I do I'm, I'm playing a different game so thank yeah. you yeah light ball that's it bye guys gotta go to work you too have have a beautiful day, Robin Marie. Thanks so much. What's coming up for me, this is Steve, is of course it's not something I put and take to improve my life. I can put this course into my life. That's not what it's speaking of. This course is huge. The teaching is saying, I don't put the course into my life. I put my life into this greater I am. And much of my life, I've chosen tidbits to improve my life rather than Render it all is what I'm being asked. And it's to let go of my identification with my personal agenda. I can't stop it. I can observe it and then surrender it. So I still will, I think, as long as I have breath, have a deeper, be special in order for me to surrender it to the only thing that is. Just reminds me of that. I saw two footprints and then there was one footprint on the beach. And that is when I was being held. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Steve. I really like that. Me too. Thank you, Steve. Sorry, I thought I was on mute. Good morning, everybody. It's Jude. I just, I just love this uh, peace of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding all human, human understanding, the way that we perceive through the eyes of perception, slicing and dicing everything up into separate and different kinds of things with many names. And the oneness, the oneness and the wholeness of the mind of God that sees everything as love, a gift of his love, a gift of himself to everything in part wholly, Holy, he gives the kingdom of heaven to every single part. And who am I to deny the kingdom of heaven to any part of it? I think that that wholeness of my mind in seeing the totality of reality as God's reality, the whole, his wholeness, that God is in everything, as everything, as himself, is, you know, that what makes this teaching so... Um, non-dualistic and so unoppositional, you know, that we can 
see everything in its beautiful differentiation and at the same time know that it's all of the holy one same essence with the capital E that is God, that is who and what we are because we share that one mind with God in awareness of God as himself within us all. The the, um, idea of... um, partiality, that if I judge anything in part, I'm judging God. If I, um, if I um, choose against it or reject it, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing against and putting myself in opposition to or at war with or giving up my peace with God, the totality of his, his reality. I'm in opposition to God's reality by opposing anything, being opposition, in opposition to or resisting anything as being the truth. The truth as it is right now as I'm experiencing it. It is what it is. It's all God with a capital I-T. It is. It merely is. The isness of God becoming everything in temporal and corporal and and um, passing, this too will pass, the goodness of it, the changeability of it, the constant wonder of it. I mean, God, I was amazed just pouring milk on my cereal yesterday, thinking milk comes from a cow and it comes from grass, and how does all that happen? (laughs) The simple elegance of God being God in everything. And... um, before I start getting too enthusiastic, I'll be still. Thank you for being here, everyone. Lemoyne and Lori for facilitating us. Amen. God bless. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Right, this is Micah. Thank you, Judy. Um, your share was required a shift. I just wanted huh? to, I forgot to thank Fran. That's all. Thank you, Micah. Thank you. Let's see. Hold on just a second. Let me get. Uh, any, anyway, and now it's coming back. Well, it's pretty fragile, this inner world of thought and emotion. Anyway, uh, the uh, um, as you were saying, God is everything. I was what kind of came up yesterday. I just had a few encounters and um, was uh, opened myself up, which is pretty rare, to some news things that I was got curious about because of these encounters with certain people and suddenly I was looking at a world through a very different at a, from a very different perspective and looking at a very dark side of the world you know and and um, uh, which is you know it's pretty rare that I open myself up to that influence but then when you said God is everything it 
it uh, you know it was like really hard to comprehend how you could be seeing in the world such such strangeness, such lack of love, you know, and of perfect specialness playing out. You know, that's what I loved about our reading today. It, it seemed to address um, th- this how uh, vengeance and love. Uh, th- those are just two diff- very two different lenses to look at the world through. And then to see that everything is God required uh, a, a, even an, another kind of shift inside of me where where this is uh, I had this feeling of this was all consciousness in my, God's mind and, and, it, and it's it's unfolding its nature um, it's in that process I almost see in my mind a, a picture of the after the in the chrysalis as the butterfly starts to emerge how it 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 it's not a beautiful butterfly at first you know its wings are stuck together and and but there's this process of the warmth and the light starting to dry the wings and uh and and then they start to lift and separate and it's feels like this world is like that you know when I look at it from that God is you know everything um, and uh, let's see the, the, I got a strong hit with um, hold on just a second The understanding, you know, from paragraph 75, the understanding which you need comes not of you, but from a larger self, so great and holy that he could not doubt his innocence. And that kind of tied in with the lesson in a beautiful way. Let's see if this all comes together. I'll be amazed. The, um, where in what is the Christ... Christ is God's son as he created him. He is the self we share, uniting us with one another and with God. And uh, there I saw how this ties in with all these new here. You know, in the lesson where, you know, Father, peace is mine. What need have I to fear that anything can rob me of what you would have me keep? And so right there, I was again thinking of the, that influence from yesterday and looking at all these dark perceptions of the dream of the world on this stage. And, um, hold on. The, um, and to have that peace, what a different lens to look look through you know and then to see love beneath the vengeance uh infuriating vengeance because it's you know it's a dream of some strange dream in this mind um and one a quote that really touched me this morning was this one from the course of miracles it says because that again addressed this there's two lenses that I can look at the world through and one the ego lens it's dark 
and uh, fearful, and uh, there's not a lot of hope, you know. <laughs> and then here's this constant, this changeless dwelling place of love all around us. And um, I just love how he, uh, he just described it beautifully in that very last paragraph where you have the right to all the universe, to perfect peace, complete deliverance from all effects of sin, and to the life eternal, joyous and complete in every way, as God appointed for his holy son. And that lifted me right into the memory of that moment of the holy instant where the awareness was lifted out of body identification when I thought I would be dying pretty soon and moved into the mind that was what was actually projecting like a mind at night creating the dreamscape that we experience in our dreams it was actually holographically creating the the dream of a mica in the bedroom and what was and that was all kind of neutral but but it was very creative and energetic but what was real was this mind, this, and, and it was a mind that there was a sense of a unity to it. There was a sense of a, even though there was a, somehow a strange individuation through it, it was so transparent, but within it was, in this mind was God and love, and, and, and that is where the self is, that, that, and it, it it can dream all you know another world. It, it it's it's just so. Oh, I don't know what to say anymore. But um, uh, I think I I think I'll just stop there. Um, I just that we can share this journey together is so beautiful, and the mystery of starting to wake up in a dream of like pretty horrible stuff and and it um might not it might be getting a little darker too for for some people but um you know we'll see and but to take it all the way love all the way to to where you're looking at the centurion hammering the nail in your hand or like victor frankel in dachau you know where where it's that's what you see and the Dalai Lama is a good example too, and the love he expresses through all the horrors he has seen, and the vengeance isn't on his heart at all. And uh, anyway, I think I'm done. Thanks. Oh, that was very elevating, Micah. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Micah, this is Patricia, and uh, being a storyteller, you call my prayerful spirit out to uh, that's speaking to me to say, yes, Patricia, it's a gorgeous story. And the one part now with the new glory in the story is the beauty of the caterpillar is the Christ in the caterpillar and the butterfly that can look upon the beauty 
of the caterpillar coming undone, looking ugly and dark, looking all those things that come undone. The beauty of the caterpillar is the one now seen. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, thank, thank you, thank Patricia. You. Hey, Lori, um, you know, I was just kind of holding all these threads. I didn't know how to weave them together really well, but did I ever read that quote? It seems like I've pointed to it, but I never read it. Is that true? Uh, the one that you did this morning, that last paragraph? The one about the gift or, of Christ is all I seek today, but Christ's vision would I use today? I don't think you had. Oh, so I'd like to read that because I, I think that highlights what the text is saying uh, in a yeah, beautiful way. The, lesson. the gift of Christ is all I seek today. What but Christ's vision would I use today when it can offer me a day in which I see a world so like to heaven that an ancient memory returns to me? Today I can forget the world I made. Today I can go past all fear and be restored to love and holiness and peace. Today I am redeemed and born anew into a world of mercy and of care, of loving kindness and the peace of God. That's it. Oh, I'm so glad you did. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> that, that's a perfect springboard, I think, um, to the way I wanted to approach this myself. Um, when, I, when I noticed today <laughs> that this section titled The Principle, The Principle, just one, The Principle of Salvation, um, it started to fall into place a little bit because it, motivated me to ask the question, well, what is salvation? And what is being saved? What is salvation and what is being saved is just my mind. <laughs> it's my mind. All the problems are in my mind. And when my mind is straightened out uh, and I understand the truth, um, truth is everywhere. And from that quote that you gave, Micah, um, today I'll use Christ's vision. Um, I wanted to speak a little bit about that because this whole lesson for me starts out with um, do I prefer to keep my ideas, my beliefs, my thoughts alone for me? Do I prefer that, or do I prefer peace instead? And if I prefer peace instead, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be motivated to uh, do a check. What's going on in my mind? 
And when I do that check, I can see where perhaps I have thoughts, ideas, and beliefs that are interfering with my peace. And so the principle of salvation is so simple then. And he says that in, in paragraph 66 of this reading. How would I know? How would I know what justice is? How would I know what brings gain to everyone and no loss to anyone? In my experience in the world, I wouldn't know that. And even in my thoughts, my beliefs, my ideas about myself, I wouldn't know that. Um, there, there's a, a startling paragraph in this entire book. It's uh, in chapter 18, paragraph 49. And it says, there is nothing outside you. I think, um, and I have ideas that there are bodies all around me, and each of these bodies represents another ego, just like me. The principle of salvation is I want to be relieved of that idea. I do. I want to be relieved of that idea, because it's that idea that interferes with me and interferes with my peace, it interferes with my relationships, it interferes with communication that God would love for me to enjoy with him, the perfect communication of loving awareness of all his blessings bestowed upon me, how he gave me the world that I might do my will, which is truly to love. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to get there because he says my mind is split and so he says you're not asked to do what would be impossible to someone with a split mind aware of this tiny fragment of mind that sees everything outside fearfully and as a threat and with the eyes of fear those tiny little eyes of fear to which perception is tied I can't know the love of God. And so I'm not asked to heal my own split mind. I'm not asked to do that. I'm asked just to trust him a little bit. Just to trust him a little bit. Enough to know that if I inquire, if I admit I don't know, I don't know because I'm seeing with the eyes of my body, I'm seeing from, from the perspective of my past, I'm seeing my own split mind everywhere that's the problem here it's my split mind and from my split mind I project all this fear out onto the world and it appears that war and battle and and hatred and vengeance and separation rule the day but that's all a projection from my mind so if I inquire like he says in paragraph 66, I don't know. I don't know about this sameness. I don't know about how there's no lack. I don't know how there can't be sacrifice. I don't understand. I don't understand how there is no loss. What I'm really saying is, 
Oh, God, save me from my own idea of specialness. Remember, specialness is based on lack. I look out from the body's eyes and I see a deficit of love everywhere. It's because I'm projecting that from my own split mind. And so I inquire. And with that inquiry, something wonderful starts to happen. What I'm really doing is I'm preparing my mind. He says in Lesson 169, such a beautiful lesson, by grace I am released, by grace I will release, by grace I live. God's grace is justice and love tied together in a way that says the equality of love and the perfusion of love from the source, from the mind of God, is the truth everywhere. I prepare my mind for grace. And when I prepare my mind for grace, what happens? I'm going to read it to you. Grace is the acceptance of the love of God within a world of seeming hate and fear. By grace alone, the hate and fear are gone, for grace represents, presents, presents a state so opposite to everything the world contains that those whose minds are lighted by the gift of grace cannot believe the world of fear is real. It's not learned. Grace is not learned. The Course aspires to it, and that's the principle of salvation. The Course aspires to this preparation of my mind, ready for healing, which is the acceptance of the atonement. I couldn't accept that for myself. Why? Because I couldn't forgive myself. I can't wake up one morning and say, my past is gone, I've forgiven myself without the gift of grace without the gift of God, without the gift of the Holy Spirit's special function to bring that awareness to me. How do I prepare my mind for the gift of grace? By simply saying, I don't know. I don't understand, Father. Please, please, please relieve me of my sense of specialness that makes me want to fight for every scrap of love that's available that blinds me to the fact that I am the loving awareness that the Christ self is the self I share with all creation and when I can accept the Holy Spirit's special function isn't that just what paragraph 70 says the Holy Spirit relays my own innocence to my mind. The Holy Spirit knows my innocence and in justice wants to give me the honor I have denied myself. The healing of my mind is acceptance of the atonement. And the beautiful, beautiful thing is it asks of me only do I prefer the world I made? out of fear and lack and specialness or would I rather have the correction that love would give me and when I inquire this one who seems to threaten my peace this situation that seems to rob me of grace 
this situation that makes it seem love is distant from me this problem this person this whatever it is when I inquire Holy Spirit will show me that's a projection from your mind my dear let me let me project the truth to your waiting mind and that's how I give up my error the split in my mind that caused me to project all of this onto God's creation that he so loves that he gave it to me and the beautiful thing is I need not do this by myself in fact my problem was I thought I was by myself the gift of atonement gives me God and from that elevated perspective I can start to understand that God's justice simply means more more love more unlimited grace more and more and more and in that abundance I'm relieved of that sense of lack I'm relieved of the idea that anything here can hurt me I'm filled with the notion of capital as self and I come to understand that what I feared was a projection in point of fact we contain and are contained by God and we we contain each other we're co-creators of this dream that we're that we're generating from our mind in a way that we can learn we're not egos that we're the love of God finally I, I start to realize that my whole problem just like he says my whole problem was the fact that I judged myself and judging myself I projected that negative judgment onto the world and judged everything else in it atonement relieves me of that just that judgment and I start to understand oh god there's so many lessons built into this I'm especially I'm especially thinking in paragraph 75 of remember lesson 161 um, give me your blessing Holy Son of God that I might behold you with the eyes of Christ and see my perfect sinlessness in you that lesson is one of the most difficult I think in the whole workbook but when I'm relieved of judgment I start to understand and accept and realize for myself recognize for myself that this holy brother is God's gift to me because this brother represents all brothers and when I say give me your blessing Holy Son of God I'm praying to the Christ mind give me your blessing Holy Son of God that I might behold my perfect sinlessness that I might see you see you with the eyes of Christ and behold my perfect sinlessness in you and this brother who I thought was other 
is suddenly transformed and I realize the truth of what he said in 18 para 49 there is nothing outside you we contain each other that containment of capital S self is right there in my own heart and I love you I love you I love you is to say I love you elder brother Christ I love you God I receive your love I share your love and by grace I am released there is no one outside me no one no one just the love of God manifest in you and you and you and everyone and now I'm relieved I'm relieved of that sense of separation I no longer see myself as a body because my mind is healed and I don't see you as a body I see Christ's mind everywhere that's why that's why um, this world that's why we have time that's why we have this world so that over and over and over again I can follow the same procedure I don't know restore the truth to my mind and that's what he means here's the ending and that's what he means when he says divine abstraction takes joy in application my joy when I prayed so long Holy Spirit restore unto me the joy of my salvation joy the essence of joy is to see the truth everywhere no longer specific this and that and the other and the other and the other that my mind had condemned before it was healed but rather that divine abstraction that says this is all holy because it's all in the mind of God and everywhere I see holiness manifests the joy that I can experience in this loving lovable creation all I need to do is do I prefer my version or will I let love tell me like he ends this section do I prefer specialness or do I prefer holiness do I prefer heaven or do I prefer hell only one of which is true I'm complete oh thanks for that that was great I totally enjoyed it thank you yes nice shifts thank you Laurie <laughs> well you know what I think just God, I don't I let time get away and I'm I apologize for anyone who wanted to share um, but we end the recording but we don't end this call so please uh, stay on the call after we end the recording uh, because there's so much more in here but to end the call today I just want to say and now we ask for grace the final gift salvation can bestow experience that grace provides will end in time for grace foreshadows heaven 
It does not replace the thought of time, but for a little while this interval suffices. It is here that miracles are laid to be returned by you from holy instance you receive through grace and your experience to all who see the light that lingers on your face. What is the face of Christ? But his who went a moment into timelessness and brought a clear reflection of the unity he felt an instant back to bless the world. How could you finally attain to it forever while a part of you remains outside, unknowing, unawakened, and in need of you as witness to the truth? Be grateful to return. Oh man, be grateful to return as you were glad to go an instant and accept the gifts that grace provided you. You carry them back to yourself. And revelation stands not far behind. Its coming is ensured. We ask for grace and for experience that comes from grace. We welcome the release it offers everyone. We do not ask for the unaskable. We do not look for what grace can give. For this we can give in the grace that has been given us. Our learning goal today does not exceed this prayer, yet in the world what could be more than what we ask this day of him who gives the grace we ask as it was given him. By grace I live, by grace I am released. By grace I give, by grace I will release. A perfect lesson to end the call. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone who dialed in and who will listen to this call later. To everyone who seeks the truth, I'm so grateful. Christ is the guarantee <laughs> that we will succeed. Thank you, everyone. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Thanks, 